Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jarek Show, your only show that gives you timely topics poorly presented. I am Javad Malik, and um, Eric is still crying, nursing his little twisted ankle at home, so we won't have him. But we do have a replacement, and why not? I am such a delight to be around. Of course, everyone would want to join this show to be on it with me. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics, poorly presented. Yes, yes, yes. We went for the eco version, the smaller, less, uh, more economical version than Eric. Um, James McQuigan, thank you for being on the show. Always a pleasure, Javad. The smaller version of Eric? Uh, okay. Well, compared to Eric, you're not a gas guzzler like he is. He's like a typical, like, <laughs> if We're he's a Mustang, you're a Prius. It's uh... Oh, a Prius? Oh, gee, thanks. Okay. E -e. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Uh, are you my Uber? So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've just got a notification from the green room. And uh -oh. I think some people if they have nothing they have the audacity to crash my show mr yeah, Eric, I'm out of here. right I'm out of here. <laughs> he said it yeah javon oh. said it not me um what are you doing sitting up in a chair there eric aren't we supposed to be lounging on a couch being fed grapes by people yeah, what world do you live in, pal? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Just because I had Achilles surgery, um, my my middle child, my oldest daughter, she got all the attention yesterday because she had her wisdom teeth taken out. So um, I've just been left to kind of like do what I have to do, I guess. That's, that's what I'm at. So because I care enough, I actually crawled up the stairs and across the floor in my upstairs studio to get up here and see you all this morning. That's how much I cared about not letting James take over. <laughs> wow. I was going to say, and when would I take over? I mean, we know well, Javad's the one controlling all the buttons. Yeah, but you see, last week we had um, another Brit that was on here and yeah, uh you know i just it was fantastic yeah, last tom, week. tom was tom amazing over again and you know what i mean i just can't have this my my hard work my name is in this show and here we are yeah. well good morning everyone it's good to be back you completely derailed everything now oh yeah you think you've thrown me off my game i had all these uh witty lines prepared for the stories and everything and now i've got to look at your ugly mug Honestly, you look like a trucker that's just like, you know, rolled into a stop and just like, you know, we're, you're just not chewing tobacco and there's no dead body in the back of your cab. I mean, that's the only difference. I'm, I'm hoping. So. One of those two is right. <laughs> anyway. I saw, I saw a lot of truckers on the road in these last two weeks. I've had my fill of truckers. Shut up. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. I've I'm so glad that didn't work into that's a dad what James joke. McQuiggan said. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the US government is dispensing some fantastic advice for simpletons like yourself. So the advice is simple. If you're looking to hire IT workers, don't hire North Koreans. Who'd have thunk? 
you know, I mean, it's it's sound advice, but you'd be surprised how well I think I would have to imagine how well these North Koreans probably try and disguise themselves as, you know, people in other countries that have emigrated to try and, you know, uh, I think the focus here is, is make sure you're doing a good background check on those people that are coming in, even if they are coming from other countries, uh, especially in our industry, needing more and more experts and more and more people that are trained and aware. So um, as as probably as, as weird as it sounds and yeah, common sense would tell you don't to hire North Koreans, uh, they probably have a good way of trying to disguise themselves. So it's a matter of just kind of doing a little more research and digging. Uh, this reminds me of the old Durka Durka scene from uh, Team America World Police. But um, so uh, you, you know what oh. is interesting about this though is and and the truth of this is when you go out to like the fivers of the world and hire people, you never really know where they're coming from, right? It may say they're coming from one place, but who knows? So I, I think this would probably lead more towards contract work than like hiring employees. And I mean, how many people do background checks on contract workers? Probably not as many as should, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, there is that, there is that. Uh, so next week, I think the US government is gonna say like, don't hire. Iraqi workers. Yeah, Just, I was wondering or, about, oh, it's or, cool with the Russians. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of you two, this, this story should be very relevant. So I have these two people on the, 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 the show and there's an advisory for or something from the UK government saying uh, lack of skills, the number one issue in cybersecurity. And I, I, I agree with that. There is a distinct lack of skills in this room today. So what have you two got to say for yourselves? James, go ahead. Defend yourself first. Defend myself against Javad? Yeah, there's no point. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the lack of skills is still, yeah, I mean, we know there's a shortage of experts in the world, cybersecurity people, and, and this is something that doesn't really get taught in elementary school, and this is kind of this is something I've been wanting to see more of is get get students because this generation and probably even the next one is lost when it comes to that cybersecurity culture and getting students trained. You know, if you can get elementary school, middle school, high school, or whatever the grades are in the UK, they're huge about, uh, you know, getting that education in there early um, can certainly help drive up those cybersecurity skills later on down the line. So, you know, the fact that it's still a, a big issue doesn't surprise me. Well, there's a couple of things I'd, I'd say here. First of all, I think that to your point, James, in the future, we're not going to call them cybersecurity skills. It's going to be life skills because yeah. that's so much a part of our life anymore, right? So it's it's not going to be a separate cybersecurity skills. Um, I will say this, though. Own it. So for many years, my Google chat tagline was, I may not know anything, but at least I'm entertaining. Well, I can agree with the first half of that statement. <laughs> Come on, it's truth in advertising, right? No, uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that is something that we're just going to have to be getting used to. And it is a problem, though, the, the cybersecurity skills. And I think some older folks, right, um, not elderly. I'm talking about the older generations there. Um, they oftentimes think that just because the younger generations are born into technology, you know, and, and from the time that they're like in a car seat, they had an iPad in their hand, 
And the fact that they can navigate UIs all day long incredibly fast means they understand what's going on behind the scenes. And I think that's a, a bad misconception. They're not cybersecurity um, mindful or, or thoughtful about what's going on. They just know how to use these things really well. And I think that that we have to remember that when we go into it. So I think we're still going to have this problem unless we really do address this as an industry. Mm. Yeah. So there's there's something here from the UK Cybersecurity Council, and they've uh, mapped out 16 specialisms, uh, which are these. I, I'll try to blow it up a bit. Um, digital forensics, cyber threat intelligence, cybersecurity generalist, cybersecurity management, uh, vulnerability management, network and monitoring and intrusion detection, incident response, security testing. Crypt Why am I reading? Uh, I'm reading this for the benefit of those on the podcast. Uh, cryptographic okay. communication, security, secure operations. I did. Yeah, anyway, um, <clears throat> I think there's there's loads of efforts that have been made over the year to try and codify and, and try to come up with this. I think it's it's fine. The 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 issue I have with a lot of these kinds of frameworks is. They tend to lean a bit too heavily onto the the technology side. I, I wish there was more like softer because you know there, there's a lot to be said for like um, I, maybe it all falls under cybersecurity management, but like risk uh, risk management and risk articulation and and uh, you know sort of like assurance and and what have you like all, all these kinds of things that they might not be technical technical, but they're highly highly valuable skills in our in our field. It just it. This whole chart bothers me because that secure systems development should be the right of cybersecurity. And then it would be more, um, you know, yeah, it's it's just not, it's not equal on both sides. It's not symmetrical. No. Uh, but here's the deal. If you remember, like back, back in my days, um, we, all of this stuff was part of IT and security, right? Like all this stuff all fell under that. And as IT people, we were oftentimes the security people too that managed the firewalls, that managed the filters, that did all that. But as it's become um, more and more, I guess, uh, intertwined in business, we've had to get a little bit more specialized, which is what we're seeing here. And I actually do kind of like that it breaks that out. And I think that's a great chart for People who are just, you know, I, I talk to people all the time that are like, I want to get into cybersecurity. Someone told me I can make six figures, you know, two weeks into things, right? So so they want to get into cybersecurity, but they go, what does that mean? And it's it's often like, well, you got to figure out what it is you want to do in cybersecurity. That helps a lot yeah. to keep you from burning out and stuff. That's actually a decent mm -hmm. chart to say, here's some of the rough areas that, you know, do any of these interest you? That, yeah, I like and for that. I mean, it's a good chart, and I, I agree with you, Eric. There are a couple of things missing from it. But with the students that I meet every semester, you know, they're always, you know, figuring out where they want to be and what they want to do and trying to figure that out. Uh, it's kind of, and that's what I tell them. It's like, you've got two years or you've got four years that you're going to be studying and, and learning all about cybersecurity. Try everything. Figure out what you, your passion is. You know, I got into security and it was network security and, and working with firewalls. But then it was once I got into security awareness and training and discovered, oh, wow, this is even more fun because now you're helping more people. And that just kind of for me, that's where I figured out where I really wanted to go with it. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of different areas you can go into. And, and it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out what it is you want and, and then getting out there and networking with with uh, other professionals. And to Ooh. Job's point, the soft skill. 
Soft skills right. are important. Yep. 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 So we're at the halfway point. Let's uh, have a word from our sponsor. It's raining men. If you are a sponsor looking to sponsor this show, please get in touch. (laughs) That could have been (laughs) your banner being playing there, um, sung by Eric Crone. So anyway, (laughs) on to the next story. It is um, a survey-based story, but more than half IT leaders store passwords in shared documents. And I see your head hanging there, both of you. Yep, you're just like (laughs) synchronized maneuvers there. Having we plan that. I, I'm not as disappointed with this because I think there's probably not lots of organisations out there. They they there are lots of systems which need shared access, but the systems themselves don't provide a mechanism of shared access. So what happens is like, oh, here's the whatever the the corporate Twitter account. Let's just dump the password here. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but that's probably a bad example because that's quite a high profile account but there's lots of internal accounts where like people would say like oh just use my login or here's the team's login to to so and so and and i think that's something that's been going on for a long time password managers i think are fantastic they could solve a lot of these issues for for everyone but i think the biggest challenge in my my perspective is that it's really hard to get consistent password advice um, across the industry. So you go to one organization, they have one way of doing it. Your passwords must be this long and rotate this frequently and do use MFA, don't use MFA. Uh, we have this password manager, or we don't have a password manager, or we don't believe in, in allowing you to paste passwords. And, you know, so there's all these sorts of things. And I, I, I actually blame the industry more than the users. I think passwords aren't as bad, uh, or password management isn't such a difficult thing to do i think we just haven't provided the right tools and education to people for the large part i'd agree with you on that i mean the tools are out there now they're i know, again, I know it's again. recorded <laughs> <laughs> uh but the tools have been out there long enough now um that that they're there they're there for people to use right and and you know they're not even expensive in a lot of cases, or they're free. Now, years ago, I used uh, Phycotic's uh, Secret Server, which was really a cool management tool where I could have people check in and, and check out passwords. I could see who last used them. It had all these cool features, but it was also very expensive. Um, and that was a reason a lot of SMBs would not use something like that. However, in this day and age where, you know, there's there's so many freer and expensive ones out there, uh, there's no excuse not to use them anymore. Now, in some cases, that may actually mean, though, you're sharing a master password, which may not be great, right, if they don't have a sharing functionality built in. Um, but it's maybe better than sharing all of them. I don't know. There's arguments. And to your point, Javad, with uh, like a lot of the password standards, you know, we have this regulation over here that says you have to have 15 characters. It has to change every 90 days. And then you have this one over here that says, no, it needs to be a pass phrase, but you never change it unless you think it's been compromised, you know, because now it's 32 characters. There's all this different guidance on this thing. And, you know, we run into issues where even maybe in some places that I have or, or do work at where my passwords change at different intervals across systems. 
you know, like to get into my laptop, it seems to change every two or three days. Um, and that's frustrating to get into a corporate system. It may not do it as often, you know, less often. And so it, it, it feels somewhat discombobulated sometimes for the users because they don't understand what's going on. Um, so that that's my take on it. James? James, do you understand? What yeah. Do I understand what Eric's saying? Sort of. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, part of me goes back to a discussion I remember months ago, and it was like, we need to have the technology being able to help the users more. Uh, you know, and password managers is certainly one way to look at it. Single sign-on could be another one. You know, we've seen Apple, Microsoft, and Google come forward trying to get more to a passwordless environment where using, you know, identification off your phones, whether face, fingerprint, um, but the single sign-on technology aspects, trying to get work to that passwordless environment, uh, making it easier for the user, but trying to keep it secure. It is a uh, tricky balance, we'll say, and that's a technical term. Uh, to to get there to make it easier for users but make it secure where you know they're using a fingerprint or a face ID to gain access into those sensitive environments but I do think within organizations where they have their really extreme sensitive data there's going to need to be the password and the other the multi-factor authentication to uh, gain that access that's my two cents I'm sticking to it excellent okay so next story uh, and this is a good one. I need to uh, take take the spotlight for this one from you two. So ransomware, you've heard of it. We've spoken about it so many times on this show. It is like the the worst thing on the planet. And you know, we've had some organisations they've they've not paid. So they've been able to recover from backups or what have you. But that's been few and far between. In most cases, people end up paying, and that's horrible. And you just want to say. Oh, why doesn't anyone just stick it to these no good hackers? <laughs> good choice of words. Yeah. Um, so uh, the leader, one of the leaders in the globe in cybersecurity today, in my opinion, is uh, Zambia. And the Bank of Zambia got hit by ransomware where some of their systems were impacted. And what they did is they did not pay. In fact, they, they went into the chat with them because every all of these criminals have a chat functionality where you can negotiate or beg right. for more time or, or what have you and uh they responded by sending them pictures of <laughs> eggplants <laughs> i suppose <laughs> so brilliant. They, oh, absolutely they, brilliant yeah they said we're not paying take these pictures, uh, they had some choice words to go along with it, stop locking, stop locking bank networks thinking that you will monetize something, learn to monetize. So um, I absolutely love this. I think yes. that, and, and I was speaking to Roger Grimes, our colleague about this earlier, and he, he was saying, never in the history of history has anything good come from antagonizing hackers. <laughs> and i was like that might be true but still i salute these guys yeah yeah no that's brilliant um in that it makes you feel better roger is is not incorrect i'll say that okay technically he is not incorrect that that antagonizing them probably isn't helpful because they may still be in the system and if you don't know how they got in there you could be setting yourself up for a bad day, but ultimately in the grand scheme of things, um, 
we, we've got to stand up to them at some point in time. I, and for somebody to finally give them the middle finger um, is good. No way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, James, uh, this last story is one you shared. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, if this was like 40 years ago, I would, or 45 years ago, I would have said this, was, this kid is you. But uh, go on, um, talk us through this one. So I saw this uh, get posted the other day and, and uh, you know, this two-year-old ordered 31 McDonald's cheeseburgers through his mom's DoorDash app because mom had given him the phone because either watching a video or playing a game or whatever. Uh, but she thought he was just, you know, making funny faces in the phone. And next thing you know, 31 cheeseburgers show up through DoorDash. And, you know, at first it, it sounds cute. It's like, oh, ha, ha, cute, how the, you know, and even in the pictures, the mom's laughing. She tried to give away the cheeseburgers because the kid ate like half of one. But it, it goes to show, for me, my first reaction, uh, and having two daughters that have grown up on technology, you have to sit with them. You have to sit. And we were talking about this earlier already in our podcast. You know, you've got people that just aren't aware. And here you are, you're handing the phone to the kid. And you don't have it locked down. You, you've got it so that he can just start clicking on anything he wants. And people just don't have that awareness or understanding that, oh, wow, they could do something even more dangerous. I mean, it could have been a lot. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. He could have opened up the email, so I clicked on a link, and who knows what that could have been. I mean, we're kind of getting movie script here. But, um, you know, ordering 31 cheeseburgers, I think, uh, got lucky there with, with the phones. It's important to sit with your kids see what they're doing and I'm getting on my soapbox here, but it is important that you have a, you know, it, it, getting back to the technology be a, a great way to have like a child proof mode. Your parent can just, you know, lock, open up the app and lock it down. There's an accessibility function I know you can do on the iPhone, but there just needs to be some more, uh, more things in place to be able to protect your kids, protect your phone, your devices, sit with them. Um, but uh, also know what they're doing and limit the screen time because there have been studies that, you know, it is getting damaging to kids' eyes. I think you're yeah. missing the point of this, James. The whole point of this story is for others out there. If for some reason the hookers show up when your wife is still at home, you can be, the kid obviously ordered it on the phone. I didn't, I just showed him. He was playing so, the game and next thing you know, these. Uh, why do you have an app on your phone that can order ladies of the Amazon. night to your home? Well, it's, it's, it's Amazon. Amazon. You can get everything on Amazon. <laughs> oh man. But, but thanks for getting on your soapbox. And for those that aren't aware, James carries his soapbox around with him everywhere because otherwise he can't get on chairs or anything. I was going to say, that's how he reaches well, the Well, that's how I get, yeah, that's how it yeah. makes me taller. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I got the idea from you, Javad, because, man, you're... Sorry? Oh, he's he's uh, he's accidentally cut out. Well, uh, that's a shame. Technical difficulties, eh? Maybe he uh, his soapbox kicked out the internet cable or something. So. <laughs> oh, man, it's good to be back. I know it's been a short show because James was here, but other than that, I, I, I wish I could say it's good to have you back, but how are you recovering? I'm doing all right. Okay. He's doing all right. So that's all good. So uh, <laughs> Dave, exactly. This is what I think every single week. What have I walked into? This is just the worst collection of people. Thank you for saying that. Um, but thank you to all my fans who tune in every week and see me put up with, with Muppets from around the world on uh, The Jarek Show. So until next week, uh, stay secure, my friends.